Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16 says, While he, and the he there is speaking of Jesus, while he was in one of the cities, one of the cities of the Galilee region, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one but to go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and he healed and to be healed of their infirmities, but he would withdraw to, a desolate, to desolate places and pray. From the time of its appearance, and I have no idea when it first came on the scene, but from the time of its appearance until the late uh, 19th and early 20th century, when a cure was discovered, leprosy, also known as Hansen's disease, was the most hopeless of diseases. For most of human history, leprosy was a sure death sentence. But death might not have been the primary reason for hopelessness as it relates to this disease. While death was certain, it was a long process. No short death here. And the long process was complicated by complete and utter isolation from all human contact. You were not allowed to talk to anyone, approach anyone. You were ostracized from community and banned from society. The only human contact you could have would be others like you who had leprosy as well. And Luke tells us that this man was full of leprosy, meaning what? Meaning that, I mean, it had gone its course. He was really in bad, bad shape. Now, we need to ask ourselves the question, what is leprosy? And uh, what I want to tell you is that the definition of leprosy today is somewhat different than it was uh, before G.H. Hansen discovered its cure. Uh, What Hansen discovered is the cause. The cause of leprosy is a bacteria called Mycobacterium leprae. It attacks the body's nervous system, and that would include the respiratory tract, the skin, the eyes. As the disease progresses, the skin will usually develop scaly bumps and lumps will begin to appear. Eyesight will become diminished, and in time, the body will show signs of severe decay. Now, concerning the decay that comes along with with leprosy, Hansen actually discovered that uh, leprosy itself does not eat the flesh. It was once thought that it did, but it doesn't. What it does is it damages the nerves in the body so that the feeling, uh, the ability to feel pain goes away. And if you don't have any feeling as it relates to pain, you, you end up injuring yourself repeatedly and oftentimes not even knowing that you did. 
And so it was this repetitive injury and the undetected wounding that allows infection then to set in and damage the flesh, which then literally causes one to appear as though they are rotting away as they live. Um, Leprosy was at one time thought to be highly contagious. They've discovered it's not, but it can be passed from human to human. It's passed through the repeated contact with the person who has it, and and it's through uh, them coughing or from fluid that comes out of the nose. That's how it's contracted. And I want you to hold on to those two thoughts because we'll come back to them here in just a few moments. So these things that I've just shared with you um, are what we now know about leprosy. But for 8,000 years, those facts were not known, and leprosy was defined quite differently. Among the Jews, specifically, it was considered to be a judgment from God. A judgment from God because of some gross sin in your life. Perhaps this was assumed Because in the Old Testament, we find recorded several people who did contract leprosy, and it was a direct act of God in judgment of them. Miriam, uh, Moses' sister, uh, contracted it because of her rebellion against her brother. God gave her leprosy. Uh, Gehazi, who was the servant of of, uh, Elisha, uh, also... I contracted it because of a sin, and Uzziah, king of Judah. And I gave you some scriptural references there so that later on you can look these up and actually read the stories and discover how these individuals ended up being judged of God. Um, But it wasn't necessarily a judgment from God. Second, uh, in this time period, it was believed to be highly contagious. And so, because it was believed that, when it became clear that a person had leprosy, uh, the, the community would, would, would banish them and they were ostracized and forced to live in loneliness. In fact, the law of Moses had some specific things to say about your relationship with a leper. Here are some of those things. Number one, it was illegal to even greet a leper. So if it's illegal to greet a leper, it's, a, it's illegal to do anything else. You can't, there's no verbal, but from the time you were ostracized, there's going to be no verbal contact from anyone because it's illegal. The infected could come no closer to the uninfected than 100 cubits if upwind, 400 cubits if downwind. I, you know, I don't know how you actually figure that out except this like that, but that was the law. If any uninfected person was approaching a leper, coming in close proximity, the law said that the leper had to make themselves look as horrid as possible. Mess up the hair, make it all kind of crazy, mess up your clothes, get just looking like a real crazy person, and then you were to cover your upper lip with your hand, and you were to cry, unclean, unclean. It was forbidden, needless to say, to touch a leper. And if one did touch a leper, they were deemed unclean and they were uh, prevented from participating in worship practices until the proper cleansing rituals were performed. No human touch. You will never be touched again. 
Even the ability to worship is taken away from you because, because you are now physically unclean and it is illegal for you to even offer a sacrifice or go to the tabernacle or go to the temple or go to the synagogue. And that brings me to truth point number one. The hopelessness of leprosy is an illustration of the hopelessness of human sin, which separates us from God and leaves us isolated from a right relationship with him. That was the plight of the man who is mentioned here in verse 12. Now, based on the things that I've just shared with you and what I see happening in in the text here, I have a question. And my question is this. With all that law and with all that social stigma, how in the world did this leper get so close to Jesus that he could fall at his feet and beg for help? How did that happen? It's not supposed to happen. Luke is clear. Jesus didn't go to the man. No, this man just kind of bursts onto the scene and he puts what little life he has at risk. He breaks every law and he crosses every social expectation because he wants to get to Jesus. So I asked the question, how did that happen? And why did that happen? First, the how. I have a theory. Don't know that it's a fact, but it seems reasonable to me. You know, when people would hear that term, unclean, being shouted out, there would be an immediate and intentional effort to give the leper a wide berth. That was the point of the word. That was the point of shouting it out so that people would make sure they stayed clear. Now, on this day, I can see the crowd. They're all around Jesus. They're all excited about him, about what he's been doing, about his miracles and his teaching. And, 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 and I can see that crowd pressing in on him to the point that it is so tight, it's hard to move, much less get access to him. But then I see this leper coming up on the crowd. And I see this leper with his hand over his lip saying, unclean unclean, but he doesn't stop. He keeps moving toward the crowd. He keeps moving toward Jesus. You know what's going to happen. Hey, those people are going to part like the Red Sea. I mean, hey, he's coming. He's not stopping. Hey, it's 100. It's 400. It's 100. Hey, wait a minute. It's 50. I'm getting out of here. It's kind of like somebody yelling, skunk. If you have any brains, you're going to hightail it out of there. But I want you to notice that Jesus doesn't move. He doesn't run. He doesn't shrink back. Instead, he remains steadfast and he allows this leper to drop at his feet. That maybe answers how. The next question is why? Why would this man risk everything to get to Jesus? Well, I can only surmise that he has heard the stories. He's overheard others talking about this this man who is healing people left and right and no disease is able to remain when he commands it to leave. I can only imagine that this man has heard that this Jesus has cast out demon spirits and when he commands them to leave, they leave. And I can see them standing there. And he's, you know, Jesus is now in his town. And he sees the crowd off in the distance. And he sees Jesus off in the distance. And perhaps he's standing there. As he's standing there literally rotting away, he thinks to himself, you know, if Jesus could heal all those other diseases, if Jesus can actually command demons and they fly out of people's bodies, then maybe he can heal me. And so we find 
this man face down in the dirt at Jesus' feet. And this is what he says. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And that brings me to truth point number two, which says this, that when a person awakens to the true desperation of their need, humility is a small price to pay to find the answer that you need. Now, most people won't humble themselves until they awaken to the true nature and desperation of their need. But when they do, they are generally willing to do whatever it takes, even humble themselves. And you know, it's, it's no doubt that this man, his condition had humbled him. But in the midst of his humiliation, I find in this man at least a glimmer of faith. Maybe we would call it desperate faith, <laughs> Or maybe we would refer to it as last resort faith. But I ask the question, how much faith is required for God to move in a life? And I ask that question again. How much faith is required for God to move in someone's life? This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.